Well, good morning, Hillcrest. Glad you're here. All of you online watching, glad that you're here. Uh, we forgot to have the little warning come up before service about the strobe effect. If strobe lights affect you, uh, you guys, yeah, there we go. So uh, this will be fun. We'll see what happens this morning. Um, but good to be with you today. One more thing I wanted to mention is next Sunday we have a short little congregational meeting after each service where we're going to be welcoming some new members, uh, talking about some uh, new leaders here at the church and some changes in our constitution. We've shared that with you last summer. Uh, but just a reminder, that's coming up next Sunday after each service for a few minutes. So if you'd like to plan on that next Sunday to stick around and participate in that, that would be wonderful. How many of you guys have ever watched America's Got Talent? Anybody ever watched America's Got Talent? Uh, real fans know it as AGT, you know, that, just the abbreviation. Uh, Angela and I have a hard time finding something to watch that we can agree on. But the auditions for America's Got Talent, sometimes that'll suck us in. Uh, because it's, it's a fun show. It's been around for 16 years, and they bring the best talent from all around the country. Uh, maybe not the best. Maybe the most entertaining talent from all around the country. Uh, to show up on the stage, and the winner gets what? Do you guys remember how much they get? One million dollars. And of course, there's a little fine print at the end of the show that not everybody sees that says they get that million dollars in uh, 40 years of installments. So it's 25000 a year for 40 years, just in case you didn't pick up on that little nugget of information. Probably a good move, though. I don't know, you know, when you get a lot of money, like a million bucks, usually chaos follows quickly behind that. So maybe it's good that it's spread out a little bit more. I really like the name of it, uh, America's Got Talent, because it's not like, does America have talent, question mark, or some of America's got talent. No, it's, it's much more affirming. America's got talent. You know, it is here. It is with us. We have talent in the building. And uh, I really like that because it's true that each of us have talent. Everyone in this room, if you're watching online, if you're watching later this week, we, we all have abilities and gifts that God has planted in our lives, things that we can bring to our families, to our neighborhoods, our schools, where we work, good things that God wants us to be having flow out of our lives. We have talent. So I just want you to look at the person next to you for a moment. Let's go ahead and look at them. This is a little awkward, all right, but go ahead. Lock eyes and say to them, you've got talent. You've got, now believe it when you say it. You've got talent. All right? You are created with ability. You are placed with purpose. You have talent. It might be uh, the ability to have conversations that draw people in. It could be your, your gift is um, uh, discovering new solutions to problems that our society is facing. It might be you can see numbers not as obstacles, but as bridges that can move you over those obstacles. You could have this unique approach of capturing images to explain complex ideas to people. You may be more patient or more faithful or more kind than the people around you. It could be your purpose is found in your ear for music or your ability to hear the voices of, of people that don't agree with you. All of you have some kind of gift, some kind of ability that makes you unique and different. Something planted in you of value that you're invited to invest in the lives of those around you. Last week, we started talking about how are you spending your life and how you are investing what God has placed in your world for the good of others. How are you investing uh, your ability, the time on your clock, the money in your wallet? So we, we said this, you spend your life by using the time on your clock, the ability in your hands, and the money in your wallet for God's glory and your neighbor's good. Okay, that's what we're talking about, spending your life by using the time on your clock, the ability in your hands, the money in your wallet 
for God's glory and your neighbor's good. And the lights continue to be fun for us this morning. So how, how are you doing? You're, you're spending your life on something. The truth is we're all spending our lives. Time is flying off the calendar. As Jason mentioned, there's like 48 days left and it's going to be 2023. And every time I say a 2020 year, I feel like I'm in the future somehow. Like I'm back with the Jetsons, you know, with robot vacuum cleaners and jet packs and video calls, you know, all these things we saw in the Jetsons that we're actually doing today. So, so time is, is coming off the calendar, right? It, time is leaving. Uh, energy is being... <laughs> energy is being sucked out of the building. Uh, your energy is being invested in something, right? You, you get to the end of your day and you get in bed and you fall asleep because you've done stuff. You've expended energy during the day. Your bank account is going up and down, deposits and withdrawals. Your money is going somewhere. It's being spent. We're spending our lives. So the question is, are we spending our lives on the things that, that honor God, that bring glory to God and bring good to our neighbors? Are we spending our lives on the things of the kingdom of God? Of course, we need to, you know, have a place to live. We need food on our table. All that is good and important. But we also want to be about the kingdom, bringing life to all people. The kind of life that Jesus talked about. He said, I've come that you might have full life. And then he invites us, as those who are following Jesus, to help people have that full life. That's what we're investing towards. One of the themes we see in scripture over and over again is this invitation to share what you have, to be generous with your life. You remember back in kindergarten, you learned about sharing with others. If you had a big cookie, teacher said, hey, why don't you share that with your friend? You know, if you eat that whole cookie yourself, your stomach's going to be upset. But if you share that cookie, you're, you're sharing kindness. You might create a new friendship. Be generous. We, we know that this is part of how we're created by God. And we see that theme all throughout scripture, an invitation to be generous. One example that we find in Deuteronomy 24, Moses is talking to the people of Israel. They've been slaves for 400 years and they've been brought out of slavery. And Moses is sharing with them a new way of life. You don't have to live like you used to live. We've been invited into a new way of life. And he's saying, here's what God, how God wants you to live. And so in Deuteronomy 24, Moses says these words, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for it. Now say it with me. The foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This is why I'm commanding you to live this way. It used to be that you didn't have this option. You weren't able to live generously because the masters would make you go back and get everything. Don't leave anything behind. And God says, now there's a new way to live, a generous way. You don't have to bring it all into your storehouse. You don't have to grab everything. Leave something for others that you might share with them. Now, I know probably later today you're going to be beating the olive trees in your backyard for olives and you know, bringing in the sheaves from your, your wheat field. Uh, but the, the principle is, still applies to us. We all have things that we are gathering. And God says, don't bring it all. Leave some for others. And Moses uses the language, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. We might use new terms like that new American neighbor, the single parent family, those who are grieving. Keep your eyes open 
for those around you who are hurting and in need because you are the one that can bring generosity. You are the one that can notice them, remind them that they're not alone. And we live this way because we're all going to be in those places ourselves someday. We're all going to find ourselves needing, hoping, looking for someone that might notice us. So God says, live generously because you're going to want others to be generous with you as well. When you think about how you are investing your calendar, your abilities, your money, invite God to open your eyes to new ways to do that. Because as we invest generously, we we find joy, we find goodness in our lives. Last week we talked about we celebrate generosity because it brings joy. When you give to others, when you share, you experience joy. And we decided to rename the boxes in the back of the sanctuary here where we put in our offerings, where we put in our, our connection cards, where we say, hey, I want to help out in this way, or I'd like you to pray for my friend. We, we, all these ways were generous. When we put these in those boxes, we said, let's call those boxes something else because we believe that, that there's joy when we're generous. And we said, whenever we say the name of those boxes, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate because we get to be generous with our lives. So again, this is a new thing for us. Let's keep practicing. So when I say the word, you celebrate. So in the back of the room are our joy boxes. Very good. If you missed last week, you're like, what are they doing? All right. We're going to celebrate when we talk about the joy we have in giving and being generous. So this morning, I want to look at a story, a parable that Jesus told about a generous life, about lives that were invested for the good of others. And it's found in Matthew 25. So if you want to take your Bible and open up to Matthew 25 or open up your Bible app on your phone, Matthew 25, verse 14, is where this story is found. And uh, your, your text may have a title. Some, not all Bibles have titles in the, in the stories here, but this one has a title, The Parable of the Bags of Gold. It might be the story of three servants. Yours might say the parable of the, of the talents. Um, but this is a story Jesus told about investing our lives for the good of others. Uh, Jesus and his friends are walking by the temple in Jerusalem, and they're pointing it out to to Jesus and they're saying how amazing it is and how it reminds them that God is present, that, that his spirit is with them and the people. And, and Jesus begins to talk about how the kingdom of God is coming in a new way, that he's coming in fullness and he's no longer going to be restricted to this building in Jerusalem. And they've been living this way for a thousand years, the people. So they're having a hard time getting their minds around what Jesus is saying. So he says, no, the kingdom is coming and you've got to get ready. You better be ready for it to come because when it comes, it's going to come suddenly. And you need to be prepared and looking for it and, and ready for the kingdom to come. And then he gets to this story where he says, and while you're waiting for the kingdom to come, I want you to be investing what you have, what God has placed in your life. I want you to be using it for his glory and your neighbor's good. So at verse 14, again, of Matthew 25, Jesus starts to tell the story. He says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So again, it will be like, what will be like? The kingdom of God. This, this kingdom that Jesus came to share about and, and to bring. He says, it's going to be like someone who's going on a trip. And he gives what he has to his servants. He entrusts it to them. So all that we have, the things that we have in our, our lives, the abilities that we have, all of it is entrusted to us by the master, by God. It's his stuff. You know, we don't own it. We're entrusted with it. We're stewards of it in these short years that we're on earth. So he gave, he entrusted his wealth to them. Verse 15, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So he gives them different amounts, and it says according to their ability. Another translation says according to what they could handle. 
The word ability there is really the word for power in the Greek. It's dunamis, which means like dynamite, like power. That he gave each of them, they each had power to do things. And we get a little stuck on the numbers here, five, two, or one. But the master wasn't really concerned about the numbers. He was wanting to see what are they going to do with what is given to them? How are they going to use this energy, this ability to to help others to, to multiply it? The amount was secondary. What he really wanted to see was, will will they use it? Verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. That's kind of a strange way to respond. To someone giving you something that you would you'd buried in the ground. Like, didn't he have a junk drawer in his kitchen like we all have where you put stuff you're not sure what to do with? You know, why is it in the ground? In Jesus' day, this would not have been that strange. Uh, he told a story, Jesus told a story a few chapters ago, Matthew 13, where he said the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. So when people had things of value in Jesus' day, they didn't have safes and lock boxes and things like that. They, they would take valuable things and hide them so that others couldn't find them. And so this is what this servant does. He says, I'm, I'm going to hide this, this bag of gold in the ground. Verse 19. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you trusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You see, he says, and you guys have noticed this before, the master says the exact same thing. It was five that became ten or two that became four. The amount's not what's important to him. He says, I see and I appreciate what you're doing. What is it that he's noticing? What is he paying attention to? What he's noticing is not the number, but he's noticing the faithfulness of the servants. I see your faithfulness. Well done, faithful servant. That's what the master is looking for. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance and what we do not see. That's what the master is looking for. He's looking for that confidence that what we have been given is useful and good, that we can invest, that we can multiply what God has given to us. He's looking for that confidence and he's looking for that assurance, that faith that says, I'm not alone in this, that God is inviting me to be involved, that he's going to work through me, that, that he is present in the midst of this gift he's placed in my life. Faithfulness shapes the way we live And it changes how we invest our energy and our ability. This is what the master was paying attention to, the faithfulness that he entrusted. How does he respond to the one who had the one bag of gold? Verse 24, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. This one says, I I know you are a difficult man, that you are harsh, that you are hard, and so I I hid what you gave me. 
He says that, like, I know that you go and take crops from other fields that don't belong to you. Remember what we just read about Moses? Moses said, leave some of yours behind so you can be generous. And he says, I know you're the exact opposite of that. Not only do you clear your fields off, but you go to other people's fields and take what's theirs. This is how this one with the one bag of gold saw his master. I don't see the master that way. I don't know about you, but I don't see him as harsh or hard as this one bag of gold servant saw I mean, look at what he gave them. If you thought about how much he invested in these servants, the kind of gift that he gave them. Your translation might say a bag of gold or coin, silver coins, or it may just say talent, which is a better translation because what Jesus is referring to here is a, a weight that was used on a scale to measure value. And a talent was a large rock that weighed about 75 pounds. So you put that on one side of the scale, and on the other side you would put gold or silver or whatever it is you're trying to figure out the value of. And so scholars say if it was silver on the other side of that scale on the 75-pound talent opposite that, it would be worth about $250,000 that he was giving, the master was entrusting in his servants. What they figure out would be about 15 years of salary back then. About 15 years worth of salary is what he was giving the one talent. So just kind of measure that out a little bit. It means he gave one of his servants more than a million dollars. All told, he gave almost $2 million to these these servants of his, it seems like he was very generous, that he was freely investing in them great wealth, knowing that they would use it in ways that would honor him and and be good for their neighbors. That was his hope. And yet this servant says, I knew you were harsh, so I just hid it away. Here's that money right back to you. So how does he respond? Verse 26, the master, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I'd receive it back with interest at least. Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For those who have an abundance, um, sorry, for those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth where he will be separated from the community and from his master. Verse 29 here is is difficult for me to embrace, kind of get my mind around. Take from the one who has and the one who has, give him more. Like take from the one who has and give it to the one who has so that he might have more. What is it that is happening here? We get stuck a little bit on the finances, on the money part of this, because bags of gold and silver, all that. But if you think about it as as this gift, as this talent that we have in our lives, what is it that they have? What is it that the master is talking about when he says, take what he has and give it to the other? And what what is it that they have? What they have is this identity that the master's called out in them, the adjectives that he's given to them. For the five bag and the two bag servants, he said they were good and faithful. The one bag servant, he said, was wicked and lazy. What they have are these adjectives that describe the way they're investing their life. Those that developed and invested and multiplied their ability are called good and faithful, so they will receive more goodness and faithfulness in their lives. They will receive an abundance of that ability to invest what God has given them. And the one who is lazy, even what he has, he will lose Let's talk about how we apply this to our lives today. How are we spending our lives? How are we using our energy and our ability for God's glory and our neighbor's good? Did you notice in the story that the lazy servant's not judged for doing something bad? 
He's judged for doing nothing. His lack of action is what brings the wrath of the master in his world. The servant, didn't, he didn't steal or lie or cheat. He didn't hurt anyone. He simply hid the investment. He was, he was lazy. And just so we don't get confused about what that means, you can be very busy and be lazy. You can have a lot to do. You can have a long to-do list, checking off things, running errands, doing all the things that keep your day full and busy and still be lazy because what this person did was he didn't say, what should I give my priority to? What should I give my energy to? What is the number one thing that I'm created to bring into this world that God's placed in my life? And he didn't take the time to figure that out. He was lazy and not identifying the main thing in his life that God was inviting him to invest. And he got busy with everything else that the world demands, all the other concerns of our lives. And he didn't take time to say, God, what do you want me doing to bring glory to you, to bring a new kind of life to my neighbor? We bury the most important things sometimes. So if I came across that servant before the master returned, if I came across that, that one bag of gold servant, and I said, hey, the master's coming, let's go dig up that treasure. Let's go dig up that, that talent, and let's get it working for the kingdom of God. Let's get it invested in the ways that God is calling you to invest. There's still time. If your talent is buried, there's still time. Let's get it out of the ground. Let's get it working. I would say, let's, let's identify the things that this one bag of gold servant had going against him. He, he had some wrong information about the master. He was acting out of fear. He was afraid. The text tells us that. And the third thing is he didn't know the options. He hadn't thought through the different avenues he had to invest that talent. So there's three things I want to address with you. And if, if I was with that servant, I'd say, hey, let's grab a shovel. Let's get three shovels, one for each one of those concerns. And let's dig up that talent and get it working. The first shovel I would say to him is, let's embrace the truth instead of having this wrong information about the master. The servant that buried his bag, he, he didn't understand who the master really was. I don't know how he got that wrong information. Maybe he had overheard some rumors. Maybe he had some questions that weren't answered yet, some assumptions that he was making. Maybe there was a, a pain or a struggle in his life and he blamed the master. And so he just kind of hid that talent away. He had wrong information about his master, about God, and how God is alongside us in this world. Let's talk about this master for a minute, the God that we serve. Romans 8 says this, God did not spare his own son, but he gave Jesus up for us all. Then won't he also freely give us everything else? Our God is generous and full of love. He gave everything to us. His son, the most important thing, he sent Jesus to give his life that we might have life. And if our creator God is that generous with his son, won't he be generous in every other way, bringing all that we need? He's not hard. He's not harsh. He's a generous God. Jesus is our example. Jesus gave his, his all for us, and we want to be like Jesus. You, you simply, you can't outgive the giver of life. And so we want to be generous. The truth is the master is a generous, kind, faithful, good, ever-present Father God who is with us. And he planned things for us to do, good things. Before we even were born, he saw our lives and created us to bring light to dark places and hope to people who are hurting. He's placed in us these abilities, this energy, this power to bring good to our world. Let's embrace the truth about who we are. Second shovel I would give that guy was a, I would say, take a risk. 
Take a risk. Don't be afraid. Invest your ability. Use that talent. It can be risky, though, to do that. You may have to meet someone new or, or try something out that's different or, or be around people that you're not fully comfortable with. Sometimes you're exercising spiritual muscle that's new, and it, we feel the fatigue of that. Our mind, our mental energy starts getting used in new ways, and it feels different. It's risky. But I, I just want you to hear me this morning. The risk is worth it. It's worth it for the, the great things that God wants to do through you and into your neighborhood, into the, your school, wherever you go to work, into your family to bring good things to those around you. It's worth the risk because failure is not the worst thing that can happen in our lives. I'd rather risk and fail than, than not risk at all. The worst thing that can happen is for this, this one bag of gold servant. He was not useful. He didn't see that God wanted to use him. He, was, he had fear that just froze up his life. That's worse than failure. When you sense God inviting you to use your energy and abilities in new ways, remember, he is the one who is with you. He is the one who will do the work. He's entrusted you with it. It's really his anyway. He's entrusted you with it, and he's going to be alongside working through you all the way. Paul wrote to his friends in Philippi these words. He says, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul says, I know that God's begun this work of salvation in you and he's going to continue to work it out, the good things he's inviting you to be involved in in the kingdom of God. He's, he's going to continue working. You need to believe that he is there doing the work. Even when things don't go our way, even when it, it doesn't seem to be adding up to us, scripture reminds us that at just the right time and just the right way, God will bring all those things together for the good of those who are seeking him and serving him and love him. So take that risk. Step out in a new way. Whatever God's calling you to do, move into that. And you might be saying, well, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the options are. That's the last one, the, the one bag servant. He didn't know what the options were. The master said to him, why didn't you just at least invest it and I could get a return? I can imagine that one, one bag of gold servant going, ah, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know, if I'd known the options. You might not even know, what is it that God would have me do? Well, guess what? You are surrounded by people right now, all around you, that, that know, that could help bring wisdom to you, that could say, well, here's what I'm doing to invest in the kingdom of God. There's so many people in our church that are involved with what God is doing in the world today. They're investing in their home or in their neighborhood or in Kansas City or around the world, moving with the kingdom of God, using the gifts that God has given them. That third shovel is ask others. Go to someone else and say, what are you doing? To invest in the kingdom of God. Go to someone in your small group when you're getting coffee later on this morning. Say, so how are you, you know, investing your, what God's given you for, for his glory and your neighbor's good? What are you doing to invest in the kingdom of God? We can share with each other. We can encourage one another. Invite others to come along with us as we're serving. Sometimes we just aren't even aware of the options. Let's encourage one another. I want to finish up our time by showing just a short video to you, about six minutes, of uh, three people from Hillcrest as they're sharing their stories about how they're investing what God has placed in their life and in their world today, the ways that they're using the gifts that God has given them so that others might see God and might grow in their faith. So I want you to watch this with me, and then we'll close up together. Tracy and I get um, the privilege of helping to coordinate the care portal 
ministry here at Hillcrest, and I've only been doing it a short time, but it's already been fun. Care Portal is um, something that fits right in with what I like to do, which is just um, help people in need. And when I was kind of thinking about whether I wanted to spend my time doing it, because it, um, the pastor asked me right about when I was getting a new job, and I was like, okay, I want to make sure I can take all this on and do a good job. But it was kind of weird to be searching for a job at the age of 50 because you have to think about yourself and what you think you might be um, good at. And one of the things that I realized was that what I like doing is working in the background and taking care of details so other people can shine. And Care Portal is a great way to do that too. And I was blessed to find a job where I get to be in the background and Care Portal gives me another opportunity. And of course, what I really hope is that the person who gets all the glory is Jesus. So. The Care Portal is a great way for me to spend my time and just hope it all goes to him. My name is Tom Shaver. I'm involved in the governing board, uh, the missions team, and uh, we help out with coffee on uh, some of the Sundays. It's, it's a lot of work running a software company, which is what we do uh, during, during uh, most, most of our life. And we look at that as a ministry, but the church is... Um, it's just a different, obviously, a different kind of ministry, and it's just such an important thing. And this is such an amazing place with so many awesome people that it just felt like um, investing in this particular church felt like the right thing to do. My name is Krista, and I play the viola on the worship team. So I decided to be on the worship team because music has always been an important part of my life. Um, I've played the viola since I was eight years old, and most of, in my school years, most of it was like orchestra kind of stuff. But even when I was growing up, I got to play in church sometimes too, um, usually with my brothers as a trio, playing some kind of arrangement of a hymn. Um, my first experience with a worship team was seeing one in college, and that was a new thing for me. And that worship team had a cello player on the team, and that was kind of my inspiration. Like, if a cello can do that, maybe I can do it too. And um, so it took a few years for me to get up enough courage, but uh, in our church in Colorado, I decided to ask the worship leader if I could try it out. And, you know, ever since then, I've been on the worship team since it's been about 20 years. Um, and I guess the bottom line is I do it because I feel like God has given me a gift, a talent that I can share with other people that hopefully will point them towards God and lead them into worship. The return on the investment for me is like um, just meeting new people at Hillcrest I haven't known before. I haven't been here that much in the past couple of years just because of COVID, even though I'm, I'm still part of the church. but. I'm not always inside the building very often, and so it's fun to just uh, meet new people who care about others like I do. And the other thing is that, like, one time I got to deliver some furniture and some bedding to this family, and just the smile on that kiddo's face. And he wasn't looking at me, he was looking at his grandma, and she was smiling huge too. And it was just a great gift for me to be a part of that and just walk away hoping they know that people who love Jesus love them too. If, if you think about how big um, the plan is for uh, the Church of Christ and, and our uh, obligation to live into that, 
I, I really would hope that we would lean into it as a congregation, and um, I'd like to, um, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, so I would like to encourage our leadership team and our, our missions team to just continue to lean into the possibilities, to play offense, if you will, because with the pandemic and with some other stuff that's happened, I think there's a tendency to, to, to kind of uh, be protective and, and uh, play, play a little bit of defense in, in terms of trying to preserve what we have versus lean into all of the amazing possibilities. I mean, God's not afraid of any of the stuff that we've gone through, and I don't think He wants us to be either. So the return on the investment. Um, for me personally, of course, it's my own worship to God. Um, but most of the time I am thinking about the people that are in the congregation and they're here to worship. And uh, my hope is that uh, as a team, we'll be able to use our talents in a way that people are able to see God and draw them into worship. And I also know for me personally, music can have a very big impact. It can be very powerful. So I can think of many times in my life where I don't, whatever difficult situation was going on and the right song came on the radio or the words to a song came to my mind and it was just the right thing to hear. And um, you never know what people are going through when they walk in here on Sunday mornings and maybe we will have just the right song for them and they will hear it and it will connect with them and they will um, hear something from God, they will find joy, they will find peace. Uh, so that's, that's what my hope is for being part of the worship team. I want to finish up by giving you one last passage of scripture from Hebrews 10. And the writer says, let us consider how we may spur one, one another on toward love and good deeds. That's what we need to do. When we ask others, we're inviting them to spur us on, help us find ways, avenues to invest the gifts that God has given us for his good and our, um, the good of our neighbors as well. And that, that word spur, I think it's an interesting image. I get that, that idea of a cowboy boot, you know, kind of hitting a horse, getting the horse moving. Um, so I'm going to start wearing spurs around here at church. It's uh, to encourage us to all get involved in what God is doing. God has planted something in your life. And he's inviting you to use it to, to expand the kingdom of God, to help bring light to dark places and seasoning to the lives that feel dull and lonely and, and to remind people that, that there is hope in the midst of the challenges that we're, we're facing. And sometimes we, we minimize that. We, we think, well, not, not really mean. Nate, you don't know my story. You don't know my life. I don't really have much to give. I, I just want to encourage you. God has placed something in you. He's made you on purpose. He's given you an investment. Don't let it be buried in the ground. Use it for his glory. Invest it in the lives of those around you. Even today, you're going to have opportunities. So I want to encourage you, embrace the truth. Take a risk. Ask others what they're doing. And let's get in invested into the kingdom, what he's calling us to be about in this world today. It amazes me at the end of the story there, the, the master says, you've been faithful with a few things. Come and I'll give you more. And I think, remember how much he invested in them? He gave millions of dollars to them. He says, I've given you a few things. Imagine, can you imagine what the kingdom's going to be like when it comes in its fullness? The kind of work that we'll be invited into. The master's happiness, he says. Can you imagine the joy that is waiting as we spend our lives for God's glory and for our neighbor's good? So let's ask God to help us live this way. 
I want to talk to God with you, and uh, I want to invite the worship team to come up. They're going to close this in a song, and while they're coming, let's, uh, let's pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? Father God, thank you for this investment that you've made in our lives. Scripture tells us that even before we were born, you had planned out good things for us to do, work to uh, increase the population of heaven. So Father, we ask that you would guide us right now, that you'd be speaking to our hearts and helping us to see the, the things you've invited us to invest. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the many here at Hillcrest that are serving and investing and giving of themselves for your, for your glory, Father. And I pray for anyone here this morning, anyone who is right now thinking, well, I don't know, I don't know what I have to give. I'm not sure it's, I've got anything. Lord, would you speak to their hearts right now? Help them to see that you are with them, that you've called them by name, that you've created them for a purpose. Lord, remind each one of us that you've given us abilities and talents, time and energy and money. Lord, you've given us all these things to invest for the good of others. Would you help us live outwardly Might we, this church, this Hillcrest Covenant Church, might we be known as generous people in our community so that you might be glorified, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.